0: Hi, Robin. My name is Nicolette. I am the, the podcast um, creator for Your Worthless. Read that again The Juxtaposition of Your Very Soul. First off, thank you very much for saying yes to be interviewed on this show. I cannot wait to interview you and um, just w- want to share or at least um, get a glimpse of your story, especially on leadership development, because um, the essence of my podcast talks about looking inwards, but at the same time, how can we build that inner strength and confidence as we, well, as I always like to call it, as we move around this 3D plane. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, without further ado, let me just read a bit of a introduction to our listeners, and then we can dive into your life story. Sounds good. Right. <laughs> okay, so everybody, hi, thank you for tuning here. in. Have just move Ryan. here.
1: Sorry, just move your okay.
0: microphone just a little bit to the, there you go. okay. Okay, uh, we have Robin Camarote here. She is a leadership trainer and executive coach. She has 20 years of experience in leadership development, strategic planning, and workplace transformation. She loves high energy, engaging conversations, and delivers programs that help her clients boost their team's engagement, confidence, and productivity while reducing friction and frustration. She also writes leadership columns, uh, for ink.com is a published author and a TEDx speaker so welcome Robin thank you so much I'm excited to be here I appreciate the invitation <laughs> thank you so much okay so Robin can you share with us what was your childhood like i like to oh, start my this. <laughs> yeah well um so I am the oldest
1: of four children right and you know one of the things I kind of got into like You know, maybe in my twenties, was this idea of birth order and how much that impacts our personality and how we look at the world. And for me, that was so true. I am the stereotypical big sister. I the eldest. I am the eldest. Yeah. So, and I'm just (laughs) so. I don't know about you, but like, I'm bossy. I think my ideas are the best ones. I feel like everybody else is depending on me to tell them what to do and my siblings have put up the up with this now for you know 40 plus years that we've known each other so uh yeah but i had a really you know um you know typical here for the states in some ways you know so uh i i actually was born um in alaska um my parents were both working there we moved around a lot when we were growing up we lived in the state of nevada then arizona and then came to the dc area and you know, all of us, uh, the kids and my parents have kind of like settled in various um places here uh you know around around DC. And one of the things that, you know, in our family we spent a lot of time together. Uh, we always had a lot of animals we always had pets my my parents or at least my mom specifically thought it was always better to have two of whatever you had so we always had two dogs and two cats and then we eventually had chickens and all this other kind of stuff so lots of lots of activity at our house it was always noisy always a little messy a little chaotic and so that's really the kind of environment i'm most comfortable in
0: wow sounds like you had a lovely childhood that's yeah, that's nice because yeah. I mean I I I looked into um I I like to read so most of the things that that we feel growing up uh the trauma they always start with 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 childhood but um I I feel like the people who actually had the privilege or um are, are blessed to have a beautiful childhood all often they turn up okay in life I mean I, I can't <laughs> speak for all but yeah this is just what I think and yeah. of course we all have different uh circumstances that may have uh we develop trauma along the way but still I think the very big part when we go to therapy it's always like okay what's your childhood like so yeah. uh, I, I mean um I, I just thought about it, thought about it now my, my interviews with Knowing, I would like to know, like, how did you grow up? And yeah, yeah. <laughs> And um, I was reading your profile and I saw imposter syndrome, and also vulnerability. These are the two things that I stand by, um, very much uh, in my in my life. And I had a an episode dedicated just on imposter syndrome, so I'd like, I I would like to get right into it. Can can you yeah. tell us? in your journey, or have you had any episodes or moments when uh, where you felt imposter syndrome was dawning upon yours, looming?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, um, yes, like almost every day. It's some, it's like a Still? constant kind of, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, and so I'll, t- I'll tell you this, and I say that not to be discouraging to any listener that might be experiencing this, but It's something that, you know, I've felt as soon as I heard the term many, many years ago, it clicked with me like, oh, that's it. That's what I'm feeling. It made so much sense to me. And which is interesting because often the people who feel imposter syndrome so acutely are actually very high performing and they're incredibly capable. But there's this disconnect between how we see ourselves. And how we think other people see us, perception of others, the perception yeah. of others. Right. So there's this gap. And so for, for many years, I kind of, it was, it was there. I was trying to work with it, work around it. I was trying to kind of get over it. Like if I just got enough training or if I got enough experience or if I got enough level or money or da, 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 that it would go away. And yeah. the truth is it's never really gone away. However, I would say that um, as I've gotten older, I have some more perspective on what that is and the ability to kind of show up anyway, even if you're feeling um, that self-doubt or questioning your abilities, but kind of doing it anyway with that feeling on board um, has been really useful because one of the things I've noticed is that, you know, I would feel it most acutely, for example, when I was gonna get up, get up and give a conference presentation, you know, I would think like, who am I really? to like, would, Yeah, and-
0: <laughs> like, why did they pick me why to do this?
1: Listen, right, why would they listen <laughs> to me? Even though I had like put the abstract together, I had been selected for the conference, like clearly somebody thought that they were gonna get some value out of it. So even though I kind of cleared all those hurdles, I would get up to in front of the room and be like, why would they
0: listen to me? I think they had they're, the wrong person. <laughs> they think the wrong, they're going to figure it out. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm an imposter. Right. They're <laughs> going to know.
1: But, but one thing I noticed is that if I would get up and do it anyway, no matter how it went, if I thought it went terribly, if I thought it went great, whatever, nothing bad happened. Like there was never, there's never been that moment where people are like, aha, we knew it, like caught you (laughs) never happened. So the, what we imagine is so much worse than the reality. And for that reason, I really encourage people to say to, to not, um, to kind of not let that feeling stand in your way of going for those big goals and those big dreams or or believing that at some point you're not going to feel that way that hasn't been the case for me and if you just if you tune into it and you kind of let it keep you small you're really going to um, not live into your full potential so yeah so i say yep it's always there uh still just a little bit and i encourage people just kind of keep doing what you're going to do it, it what keep going for those goals even um even when you feel that way
0: right i think this okay so i'm going to tie it back to another topic which is vulnerability i think yeah. when you're when you're authentic this is where you can practically if not eliminate or or dissolve imposter syndrome at least keep it to, keep it at bay right yeah. but i i i'd like to ask like what are your tips on overcoming the challenges of imposter syndrome in leadership roles?
1: Yeah. Well, I think one is, is a little bit about like listening to your own self-talk. So reminding yourself that you are a person with, you know, good ideas, that you're open-minded, that you're taking in information and that you're learning as you go. And that's, all that we all are no one has anything more than that and you know everybody is figuring it out as they go and so that's why that's a very
0: that's a very strong that's a very good statement everybody is figuring still figuring it out anyway
1: yeah everyone else is in the same boat and that for that reason I think the vulnerability Mm -hmm. is really important because it's this willingness to be a beginner. And it's, you know, and to even own that and say, look, I am, you know, it, this is my first time running a meeting, or this is my first time doing a conference presentation. And people find that so relatable, and the ability to kind of connect with that. And just, you know, um, being able to kind of state where you are in the process, and then continue to like, go on and get that experience. So I think they're very closely related, and I think your vulnerability can actually help you build connection and relationships, kind of as you go through.
0: Right, I agree <laughs> that <laughs> I agree on <laughs> that. So, um, what are the strategies for overcoming self doubt and building confidence? I think I think, I think the last question, this question, are a bit um, tied together. They're intertwined, but yeah, what 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 are you, what are these strategies in your opinion? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I feel like, um, you know, related to what I was saying before, I think sometimes we want to wait until we feel confident to be able to do um, something. And
0: we yeah. actually get
1: confidence from doing the thing. When so, doing it, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're actually like, doing the thing. So, you know, if we waited until, if I waited until I felt like sure that I was going to get up in front of this conference and knock it out of the park, it would literally never happen. It would have just never happened. But now that I have a couple dozen that I've, you know, uh, you know, under my belt and some experience, I can feel a little bit more confident, you know, going into the next one that I know I'm not going to pass out or die or no one's going to yell at me or like they're not nothing bad is going to happen. I now have that experience. I also know what works for me in terms of preparing. So one of the to me, one of the the keys to increasing our confidence is preparation So if Mm. you can, you know, of course, do the homework, like do the work in advance, start to anticipate the kinds of questions that you might get, knowing that you're not going to imagine every question, but we can kind of imagine the kinds of questions that we're going to get and draft out possible answers for those and just kind of think through the scenarios and what you would do. So do a little bit of scenario planning while, you know, if. If uh, you know somebody challenges me on this point, like what's one counter that I might say, or if this, pro- if we encounter this problem, what's a, you know three different ways that we can solve it? So doing a little preparation in advance helps so much because then in the moment, like that panic that can set in with like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. Wait a second, like yes, I've worked through this. I have some options. Let me just take a breath, think it through, and then try one of my next
0: things. Awesome. Um, I I cannot help but to think about the, something about we cannot wait until we're ready, right? Yeah. But Robert, I'm gonna ask you one question. What about relationship? This is nothing to do with leadership. I'm gonna take yeah. you away from that, Robert. Yeah. But well, when do you know when you're when you're ready to take the next step in your, in in any relationship, romantic relationship?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. I'm, I'm very curious why you're asking that. <laughs>
0: No, I mean it's a question. It's Jen. Well, um, oh, okay, th- this backfired. Nice. <laughs> well, well, okay. Let's just say um, I have a friend, <laughs> a friend who because I'm in my early thirties, so of course, um, and, and I don't know if you've listened to my podcast, but the reason why I started my podcast is because I started my own healing journey after my divorce. So, um, right, so right now, I'm not there again, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to date again, so it's like, I, I, I'm, not, so what I'm trying to say is, I'm not saying this for myself, but also for other people that are still in that, uh, they don't know whether, when is, they're still waiting, because um, I hear a, a lot of my friends, say, uh, they're not ready, I'm gonna be, I'm, I'm gonna do this, ABC, when, when, when they're ready, but the truth is, you're never ready, it's either you're getting married or having a kid and and the the reason here mostly is because financially they're not ready you know what i just wanted to know your your opinion like what are your thoughts on that yeah that's a tough one and i i definitely would not
1: consider myself to be like a relationship expert i've been very happily married now for 17 years and i oh um, lovely (laughs) yeah um and I did feel at the time very ready and very confident about the person. And I think things have um, certainly kind of worked out, exceeded my expectations in terms of how marriage would be. But but, um, but that wasn't always the case. I certainly relate to previous relationships and kind of not being sure or not being on the same page with somebody in terms of how much I wanted versus they wanted and all that disconnect. So I do think with romantic relationships, it's a little bit of a um, – it's a dance. Both people have to be hmm. uh, yeah. kind
0: of. I always in refer it to it a, as a dance.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that you kind of have to be on the same page in terms of what you want. So, in you know, I guess zooming out in any um, in any relationship, I think it's just important to know what you want, and hmm. just tuning into, uh, you know, kind of what you want out of that relationship, what you're willing to give, you who you want to be, and being really grounded in who you oh. are. And what you want to bring to that relationship and, and not expecting um, anyone else to kind of fill in the gaps that you're feeling in other parts of your life. So certainly if, if, you know, you mentioned kind of that financial insecurity. So, I mean, number one thing, if you can get yourself financially secure and then pursue other people who are also financially financially secure, oh my gosh, like it's just setting your both of you up for success. So, yeah, so I mean, really getting clear about like what, what those gaps you're trying to fill, fill them for yourself and then find them the right match.
0: <laughs> well, thank you for that little, um, that, that's fine. Right, um, yeah, let detour there. <laughs> Yeah, let's detour. Thank you so much, Robin. Um, okay. So probably my listeners would be like, "Oh, Nicolette is doing her thing again. She's she's <laughs> out loud and she's just yeah. a question out of the the topic." But yeah. All mm-hmm. um, right. Let's go back to the, the 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 question. So, right. Uh, now we're we're stepping into vulnerability. What does it mean to be vulnerable? Um, in a position of power, and can you give us some examples of being vulnerable at that? Yeah.
1: yeah, I love this question because I think too often we assume that in leadership positions, they um you can't be vulnerable, that the expectation from people on your team are that you you know are solid, that you got this, that you're confident. Yes, exactly <laughs> like that's exact posture. Uh, so I think what it means is to be uh, really um, in tune yourself with how you're feeling clear about what you know and what you don't know and be confident enough to be able to acknowledge that publicly so not mm. you know I, I, so an example would be um you know uh recently i was coaching a client who was kind of going their company was being acquired and they there was so much uncertainty In I mean, because they knew kind of like the details of the transaction and kind of like about when that was going to happen, but there was so much unknown about what it was going to be like on the other side of that. And so for that particular leader, we did coach a lot on kind of um, owning what he did know and what he didn't, not pretending to, you know, that everything was going to be okay and just kind of, you know, (laughs) sugarcoating it all, like, because People see through that, Mm. you know, they know that you, they know you don't know. And while they might want some reassurance, I think the, I think we can fall into the trap of reassuring people that there's going to be a certain outcome. And when instead we can reassure them that no matter what, we're going to do this together, no matter what, we're going to figure it out. And we're going to rely on our strengths in terms of, you know, you know research and documenting lessons learned and process improvement we're gonna we're gonna do all the things that make us who we are you know so that we can come out on the other side of being you know preserving our culture and still having this thriving business so yeah don't so i think um you know being very careful as a leader not to promise something that you can't deliver while really mm. owning you know, owning what you know, what you don't know, and reassuring people about process versus the, the outcome that that you can't actually, you know, you can't actually own or deliver.
0: Wow, beautifully put. I mean, I thought about that before, but yeah, that was on point. So, <laughs> Robert, what are the benefits of vulnerability in leadership?
1: The benefits, I think, are just the opportunity of a deeper relationship with your team. Uh, yeah. because that that's true. pretending, that's true. Yeah. You know, the pretending is what gets in the way, um, mm. us really having a deep connect, like a human connection. If I'm pretending to be somebody else, you can see through, you know, you know, that's not real and you don't, you know, there's, you don't trust me. You don't believe what I say. So I think the benefit is that, you know, trust goes up confidence in your kind of abilities to work together, go up. Um and just that there's just a deeper relationship there.
0: Yeah, I'd like to echo that because um I we I, my 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 team my my team is very small like where I am no. now, so it's like me and another two person. This just this three of us. But then, it's like I, I think I was very um. I, I said it out there that I'm not so much of a technical person, but I can see the bigger picture because I used to work as a consultant. So the other person, uh, he he's actually the best in terms of very retail driven, very very uh, I would say very hands on person. And then we we just uh, we recruited another person. She's, she's young, but she is very bright. And she also admitted that she didn't have the knowledge, the, the basic knowledge, but she's got the attitude. So um, uh, safe to say, and this is just me sharing, sharing <laughs> um with you that I think the dynamic, although I never pictured it to be like that, but I think we pretty much complemented each other because we've got one that... We got one that is um, actually good at the detail, and and then me just providing the direction and become coming the advisor, and then we yeah. another person that's like, oh okay, I can let me. Uh, there's a lot. Maybe she she's got room to polish, like like we all are. But she's willing to 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 be of service to that side, technical and my side. So, I think I think whatever that you said, and I. Always um, emphasize the the importance of okay. I don't know. Um, uh, I'm not so sure about how do we go about this. Can you tell me? But ask him to come in. And then for her, uh, can you give you more ideas about I, like on on the artsy side, you know, like more on people. So yeah, I think I think that that vulnerability and that will like you said relationship, and also enhances the dynamic
1: yeah. of yeah. that well it's it sounds like you're totally on the right track with this team, <laughs> hmm. and especially because you have a good sense of the strengths of each member kind of what you bring what you know the more technical person brings what this new energetic fresh person kind of brings to it so really being in tune with other people's strengths and how you can combine mm. those into a high functioning team is really um, important so well done there.
0: oh thank you because at first when i when i when i uh, uh took up the 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 job i was like and and most of it they wanted me to look in technical analysis yeah that's where my imposter syndrome crept in i said oh I, I i need to to know this but i don't know but they're going to they're gonna catch on, and then they're gonna find out that I'm not good. And mm-hmm. then, and then I think, um, at first they 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 kind of knew they knew it, but they never put pressure. They never they never pressured me into like, okay, you know, Nicolette, you have to, but we know you have this strength. So, I we somehow um, navigated through a period of time. Okay. Perhaps just interview new people to be looking at some people uh, that left, and lucky it. enough, he was there. It's like okay, I I have I, I leverage on my intuition and my feeling that it's alright. I think I echoed also on the it was a Steve Jobs that said, you know, you have you should not ever be afraid to hire somebody smarter than you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and and yeah, I I I. I stuck by that notion. <laughs> so fingers crossed on <laughs> my team. Um, okay, so how do we create a culture that encourages authenticity and vulnerability? Yeah,
1: I, I think it's doing exactly what you're doing. It's leading by example. So we can never ask our teams to do anything or show up in a way that we're not willing to do ourselves. So mm-hmm. If you are modeling the behavior, so if the behavior you want to see is kind of really getting uh, authentic, like you know people's you know true opinions and thoughts about things, and to help you see any blind spots, then you modeling that behavior and really encouraging it is important. It's also being okay when people show up with stuff you don't like so oh, yeah you know, that's so because true. sometimes we can be like yes i want a culture of inclusion and mm, vulnerability mm. and somebody's like i think this idea really stinks and you're like mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like get back in your lane i didn't even you know who asked your opinion so we have to yeah. be it not shut it down when it happens now that said like people need to to you know be appropriate and professional Um, But one caution I would have on authenticity, I um, I was working with a team a couple of months ago where one person was just incredibly negative and he didn't really have like a check on that behavior. And he felt like kind of showing up and being a jerk was his right because he's like, I'm authentic. I'm having a bad day and I'm not going to say hello to you in the hallway. And I'm like, you're kind of just being a jerk, like- that's not like, don't get those confused, like being authentic with just putting it all out there, whatever mood you happen to be in, because that spills out and infects everyone. So his mm-hmm. negativity was just spreading everywhere where, you know, um, the opposite is true as well. Like when you bring up, you know, more kind of a positive outlook, it, that also spreads. So I would just say, while I, inc- I, I think there's incredible value in, in vulnerability and being authentic being careful in when you're building that culture, not to give license to yourself or to other people to just kind of show up and spill whatever emotion they happen to be having at the moment, like all over everybody else. So uh, so it's not it's not licensed to be a jerk.
0: <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> no, not licensed to be a jerk, okay. Um. Right, uh, okay. You believe that leadership training should be offered to all employees regardless of level. Can you share it to us why?
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is something I believe so uh, passionately about that all employees, all, everybody in our organization benefits from really the basics of leadership. And it's based on this belief that like leadership is not tied to a role or a title, but it's about having a vision. It's being able to, get people on board with your idea. It's being able to yeah. kind of map out the steps to get there. Every single role in our organization should be able to do that. And, and it's also about, you know, the ability to kind of connect with people and art- articulate your you know, your ideas. So, uh, you know, too often leadership training is reserved for a few at the top. And the reason yeah. is because it's expensive It's Mm -hmm. time consuming. It takes people out of their, you know, out of their day job operations. Yeah. Right. And so it makes it this huge barrier because of the expense and because of the time, like organizations just simply can't afford to have more people go. So what, what I encourage organizations to do and part of the training that I offer in my coaching program is leadership for all. And so it's, how can we shrink down those essential lessons of leadership into something that's more affordable and also less time consuming so we can get both to arrive. Yeah, like <laughs> bite size like an hour to 90 minutes at a time, very targeted topics, just give people the information, give them some actionable practical things that they can do in their job that they can then take it to the, you know, take their um, work to the next level. So that's um, you know, that's really a kind of the concept behind, you know, why I built leadership for all.
0: I'd like to uh, yeah, I, I thought about skipping some questions, but I think I want to ask you <laughs> some of the questions you put on your profile, because I think I think we're building up really good here. Um, So how do you measure the success of a leadership development program and what are the metrics that you use?
1: Yeah, so there are a couple of things that we can do with measure, you know, measuring the return on investment, because regardless of what path you take in leadership development, there is some cost to the organization. Even if you develop a yeah, in right. house, like there's always some you know, some some kind of investment made. So it's important to understand what that return on that investment is. So the the very first thing that we should do is just um, take a snapshot of all of our traditional business metrics at the start. So those things that you're already capturing in terms of revenue and profit and retention and all of those things that are already measured, take a take a snapshot at the beginning, because later we want to come back and just see did they move. Now the the challenge. Is that we can't necessarily draw causation with leadership development programs and like an increase in revenue, for example. So we can't like directly correlate those two, um, but we want to just understand how they've moved. So the second two things that we do. So there's some layers here. The second thing is to do a pre-survey with all all participants. So we ask them to rate themselves. Before the program starts, like, how do you rate yourself on these leadership capabilities? And then once the program's done, usually about three months after, we do the survey again to kind of gauge, do they feel like their leadership skills have changed? So it's a self-assessment. We just look at the, um, you know, look at the change there. The third thing is doing direct interviews with supervisors around observed behavior changes. So for- if you had participants in this program, tell us a little bit about how they're showing up now. Do, are you seeing a change in attitude or behavior or skill on these areas that we can more directly tie to the, you know, the content in the curriculum? So, um, so kind of a long answer, but there's three, what I believe to be kind of three essential components. You can't just pick one. There's layers to it because it is challenging at times to draw that, you um, to understand how any training, whether it's leadership or any other kind of training that you might go to actually impacts the bottom line of the business. And so we need to kind of layer these different pieces to it.
0: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot. You're like, well, okay, yeah. You're wow. Yeah, that... <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, okay. So I'm gonna now the challenges. Like, what are the biggest challenges that organizations face when they're trying to implement effective leadership development programs? Well, the
1: first is just general kind of, you know, as much as we talk about culture, culture can get in the way of new learning because the behaviors are so embedded and resistant. There's yeah. just resistance. And it's not just the people in the program, but it's their supervisors and it's their staff. It's like the whole thing. And so, any, I'm working on developing a leadership program right now for an organization where we've targeted, you know, one layer. Right. It, you know, one tier, like everybody in this role is going to get this training. But what's important is that everybody senior to them in the organization understands what we're teaching, what the expectations are for. The behavior change, the w- things that we want to be different on the back end, and how they can support their person. Because if your boss, if you go to the, all this training and leave with these ideas and this energy, and now we're gonna do this and do that, and your boss is like, "We're not doing that. Uh, you know yeah, that's not a priority." So exactly, to, that's we not we a priority.
0: To, oh yeah, gosh, we need yeah. Need the
1: whole senior leadership team on board so that they can um, further encourage the that behavior change, and uh, and, and you know, and to be honest. there's problems at the top you know they're not all perfect leaders and so their own you know whether they're reluctant to take feedback and kind of look do the introspection like you advocate for there there are other issues and so um trying to get them to uh really understand the curriculum and try to be supportive we're hoping will also um, you know, just further embed the behavior change that we want to see as a result of the program.
0: Yeah, I, I always, I mean, that's also an an, an issue because we wanna, for example, implement. It's not even just a leadership program. Maybe just a project. I think what you're saying here is getting the buy in from the stakeholders. From yeah. in this case, the 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 bosses, right? So yeah. if let's say what like I don't know if this is part of your program and that's why that's why people um, come to you for this but what are your like I don't know what do you do to get the buy-in of this bosses? Like, what are the what are the steps maybe not the steps like the I don't know I don't want to say secrets, but <laughs> what do you normally put out there so that okay it, it, it'll start to open up their minds and they say okay maybe what Robin is saying this is actually gonna be good for the long run.
1: Yeah. Well, one thing I found is that when you first talk to senior leaders about doing any kind of leadership development, they're all in. Like, they're, yes, yep, it's important, we need it. And by the way, you need to tell these people that they need to be better at taking feedback because blah, blah, blah. like that's like the initial idea isn't necessarily the hard sell. Um, And they'll tell you that they are bought in. The check on that comes in. Are they really going to make the investment? Which is, are they really going to actually follow through and pay for it? Are they really going to make the time available for their person? And when it comes down to like really living into those behavior changes, are they going to lead by example? That's where you start to notice that their buy-in isn't as strong as they initially didn't match what they were saying. So the, the hard truth of this is, it's messy, long, tedious work at times.
0: Arduous work. Oh.
1: Arduous. And, and not always, not not always, but okay. but I think the expectation that you're going to do any kind of training or any kind of leadership development and things are going to like switch overnight, it just doesn't work. It just, in my experience, hasn't worked that way. But if we have some a vision that we're working towards, And we just beat that drum every single like this is the kind of behavior change we want. This is the kind of you know how we want people to show up, and just keep beating that keep keep beating that drum. Not beating people, but beating the drum. (laughs) Um, That over time you start to see shifts in you know in the organization. So I think it's just when you're um, building buy-in, you can say all the words. It's just be aware that what people tell you. May be different from your actual experience because they 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 feel like intellectually they want to buy in, but it's very it can be very difficult for them to change their own behavior.
0: Again, <laughs> beautiful. I thought of something. <laughs> so that means Robin, in your line of work, you've got to be really patient. And I mean, Tommy. Me, I mean, I can. When I read your profile, I think you're you used to be an overachiever. So I mean, how? do manage how do you like from becoming bossy to having to stand on the other side of the party and say i want this to be done in the next three months but it seems like this is going to be dragged to a year or maybe six months yeah how do you keep that yeah. composure
1: <laughs> well uh, yeah i mean i wish i had the answer some days are certainly easier than others but i um i my I'll answer on my best day, <laughs> is yeah. when I I, want, I, I I, really believe in my heart that mm. people want to do a good job. Like I really right. believe that. I didn't used to believe that. I thought people were just um you know, screwing up at work just
0: to piss me off. Um, but I but I oh <laughs> yeah that's a that's a that's very good yeah that's very good that's that's a mindset like always assume. Good intent, like yeah, I, I, yeah. Yes, that's
1: exactly it. You just put it perfectly. So on my best day, I remember to assume good intent, and 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 that's where that will breed a little bit more patience and like, okay, I see little glimmers of them trying, or maybe they they they're missing this piece of the puzzle. Let me plug that in. So there. So that's on my best day. I and, but I'll be honest, like it's it can be incredibly frustrating, especially when you see people lower in the organization suffering because mm. they're either working for someone that doesn't support them or doesn't understand them, that's not taking the time. Um, in the very worst case scenario, like somebody that might be putting them down or trying to keep them in a box. Um, so that can be very difficult to um, you know watch any group that's not fulfilling their potential Mm. because, because, um, someone higher up in the organization is because of their own limitations. So that's, that's very difficult. Um, and, and sometimes, I mean, we can just keep, you know, keep working through that, keep beating that drum, but at times then, you know, I want to work, you know, some of the, my coaching clients is like, it's probably time to move on. Like, if you're not going to make progress with this particular person, you know, take your skills and your strengths and go apply them to in a place that's really going to appreciate you. That's
0: beautiful. I mean, we're we're saying we're, again, we're not sugarcoating, but we yeah. just want the best for this yeah. for this person, right? Right. Beautiful. Oh yeah. How do you measure the success in how do you keep up with the latest trends and developments in the field of leadership development, and what resources do you rely on?
1: Yeah, um, well, I love this. So, so part of it is having conversations with people like you. So I oh. love um, talk. I just love hearing from every because everybody has so much experience and perspective you can learn something from everyone so it's kind of going into every single conversation whether it's at work or you know at the bus stop or whatever with this ear for listening to the kind of challenges people are having what's working for them what's not working for them so just kind of being really open and listening to that um on a day-to-day basis i listen to a ton of podcasts so i'm an avid consumer i like like want to listen to all of them i listen to them like i'm 2, 2x speed so I can get more of them in um, there are books that I also mostly listen to I I have a stack on my nightstand now but I t- read a page or two and then I fall asleep <laughs> so <laughs> I, like reading an actual book I like, I like doing it but I tend to fall asleep so I would say podcasts uh, you know just reading books um, I, I think the book summaries that are put out are really useful because you kind of get the main idea and kind of think about how it applies But I think the most important thing is, um, it's, it can be easy to be a consumer of information and ideas. Mm. So, you know, when we are in consumption mode, like we're reading, listening to a lot of things and it can feel good in a moment to hear it, but then it's not as like the value comes in when you actually figure out like, okay, what do I do with this? So taking, reminding myself to take a little time after each conversation to move, okay. Like, how might like, I put this in
0: practice? Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: So I can see you're like, oh, yes,
0: yes, I, you're, that resonates you. Implementing it like, oh my God, Please. I have this whole uh, a tsunami of information, but wait, how do I start? How do I begin improving improving my life in, in this area? So, okay. Then, then this is the time to take a step back. And, okay, maybe guest A spoke about this. Again, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah. yeah, sorry, you Robin, you were saying
1: <laughs> no, 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 you you got it. I mean, so I think it's like information could come from all different kinds of sources, um, but don't forget to also try, take the take a little bit of time after you have consumed something to figure out how you might apply it. You just get so much more out of it.
0: Yeah, reflection. Yes, reflection and action. <laughs> and action, reflection and action. Yeah, that's true. So okay, what advice would you give to someone who is just starting their leadership development journey? Oh,
1: well, um, I think it's to think about it in a multi-pronged way, that you're not going to get all that you need from any single source. So you'll get some classroom training, you'll get a lot, a lot of on the job training, because you'll be in it, you'll have a mentor, and you'll probably have a boss that's giving you some feedback, you'll have podcasts, you'll have books. So really thinking about how you can put together puzzle pieces that are all going to contribute. I'm also a huge fan of coaching. So the earlier you can engage with a leadership development coach, That is somebody that is going to be really get to know you, to understand your challenges and really help you see those blind spots that you want to overcome in your journey. So I think think about it in a multi-pronged way, not just like I'm just going to get it from here. Um, And to the extent that you can engage with a coach, it just helps kind of pull it all together. (laughs)
0: Uh, In your opinion, what are the most important skills and qualities that leaders should focus on developing in today's fast-paced business environment?
1: Hmm. I think, let's see. I think I might have written about this, so I may say an answer that's different from what I put out there before. Oh, that's okay. It it kind of changes (laughs) on a day-to-day basis. You know, I really think this... um, ability to tune into others so maybe it's empathy or um you know i don't know so maybe i would say something like empathy which is just drop all of the stuff and just really get to know somebody understand where they are what they want and approach it like a team like let's get together and figure this out like i think all of this there's like so much stuff at work that goes on between us in terms of just things that go unsaid and missed expectations and all that. Like, let's just drop that and just what do you need or want from this experience? How can I help you? Um, I think is incredibly powerful. And, you know, and, and kind of letting go of this idea that there should be some kind of enduring loyalty, like, I just want to like help Mm. you be successful in your life, because I, I'd like this relationship to continue on forever, regardless of whether we work together. So, um, yeah, so I guess maybe it's something like something along the lines of empathy. Um, I also believe very strongly just in communication because it is, it's amazing to me, uh, just, you know, when I, I, so I work with people at all levels in an organization, but every, almost every single time I go into a room of senior people, their ability to communicate is much stronger than working with another cadre of people lower in the organization. So what becomes clear is that it's not always the best idea that wins. It's not the hardest worker that wins. It's the person that can clearly articulate an idea, get people on board, describe what the impact was, and then move on to the next thing. Like that, those communication skills, written, verbal, all of it um, are so important. So I would say maybe empathy in terms of the relationship building and then communication, just in terms of like getting stuff done. I mean, it's just critical.
0: Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> we'll, we'll that I will sit and ponder after our interview. <laughs> okay. How can I apply that in my daily job? <laughs> okay, so. Four more questions. Um, This is going to pivot into my podcast type of question. So what is your heart's um, greatest wish, Robin? The first
1: thing that came up with me, came up for me was about my children, you know, just being able to see my children through to adulthood and see them thrive. I just just take so much joy and, uh, you know, pride in them. Um, But maybe a little bit, bigger than that it's just to have enough time to like see and do all the things like there's just there's so much um richness and just interesting things in this world to like learn and experience selfishly I just want enough time to do all of it so that's very selfish I should probably say something more like help others or something but
0: (laughs) no that is your heart's greatest wish that is yours (laughs) yeah thank you for sharing
1: yeah
0: do you have a mantra that you live by
1: do the work and so this is yeah so it's do the work um i believe i i
0: i I felt that i felt that it's 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 just three words but it's like just do the work work. yeah 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 do the work Mm. (laughs) okay so uh, what gets you up in the morning? Co- the smell of coffee. <laughs> I, <I'm- laughs>
1: I, you know, I wake up early. I always have. Um, I, lo- I I get, I'm just excited for the day. I usually try to have a pretty clear idea of what I'm going to do the next day before I go to sleep. So, you know, I already kind of like, I'm not in the morning trying to figure that out, but I have this cherished morning ritual that Ooh. I um, I get up, I feed my dogs, I, um, get my coffee and then I sit down on my computer and I have usually about 30 to 45 minutes of just journaling, a little meditation or a little reflection and just drinking my coffee by myself with a quiet before the kids get up. Oh, oh I like that. Yeah. I'm like on the like on the rare occasion that one of the kids like gets up early cuz they're like sick or they need something I'm like
0: oh, yeah my me time
1: <laughs> I feel grounded so yeah and then from there you know get the kids down I go for my workout and then start the work day so
0: okay so robin if you could create a quote right now for you to leave to the audience listening and the world as your legacy what would it be you got this you got this <sighs> Yeah,
1: I find myself saying it so often to my coaching clients and to other people that, you know, I so believe in our capacity to do amazing things. And sometimes I see people going to bring this full circle, that self-doubt or um, kind of letting things get in your way or be hurdles and slow you down, like it's, It's not necessary. You got this. Nicolette, you got this. I
0: don't (laughs) care about it. I got
1: this. You got it. So, yeah, it's not not an original quote, but it's something I believe, like, so passionately about. And and so that's all I want to do, like, you know, really with the people that I'm interacting with is just convey that I believe in you. You got this. I
0: believe in myself. We got this. Oh, <laughs> well, okay. I think that that wraps up our interview oh my today. God. Oh my God. Robin, I really, really enjoyed this time. Too, uh, too. I think you're such you're such a there's such an entertaining guest, and I think I think um your expertise is something that people should uh really how do I say this get to know, and I hope through this podcast, people can actually see. The it's not just because they want to be somebody like you said we can all be leaders in our own right like you can be a an art an technician, and you can be a leader in that right Absolutely. and yeah you can be I don't know a janitor and then you just get up in the morning and just do your own thing and I'm you're proud of it yeah. because you're wearing yeah you're wearing that this is what I do I love it right so I'll um, I think the work that you're doing is is wonderful Robin. Um and thank you so much for sharing your voice and your story.
1: Oh, i <laughs> so I so appreciate the time with
0: you Nicola. Thank you so much. Thank <laughs> you. So uh, I I I followed you on Instagram. So when this uh, episode airs, I will uh, tag you so you can also wonderful. share it in your profile. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank uh, you Robin. Have <laughs> <other> a day. <laughs> okay. You uh-huh. too.